0: Morning. Hey, we are in uh, week two of our preparation series. This week, as we talk about the spiritual preparation that we need to do before we move into our building next year, uh, you know we don't know exactly when that will be, but we know that we need to prepare and we need to prepare spiritually. Uh, last week, if you were here, you're watching online. Uh, we talked about how we need to prepare in prayer. In fact, we are currently in a season of forty days of prayer and fasting. And we mentioned there are five different ways that you can join us in this season. I just want to really quickly go over those five ways of how you can join us in prayer. Uh, Number one, uh, you can come to our Sunday morning prayer meetings, which are 20 minutes before each service. Uh, We pray that the Lord will move uh, through our church. Uh, There meets in the yellow pot over in the children's area. Uh, We're asking everybody during this 40-day period to just pray quickly. I mean, it can be five seconds. When you eat lunch every day, we just pray that God would use us and use this amazing tool of this building uh, next year when we move into it. Uh, Three, we're praying for it in house groups uh, in this season. Uh, Four, uh, we're praying every Friday uh, at noon uh, live on Facebook. You can join us for that. And then uh, number five, uh, you can actually sign up to fast with us. And so over this 40-day uh, period we're having a 40-day continual fast not that we're asking one of you to fast for 40 days but that uh, each of us would fast for a one day and we're sort of a passing of a baton if you will in fact we have uh, almost uh, 100 people signed up to fast already that is amazing uh and on the day that they're fasting we're asking to go over to the building pray over the building uh, kind of on the outside and if you want to join us in that, you can do that through the app. Uh, we send out a link via email. We'd love to have you uh, join us. But today, I want to talk about another way that we need to prepare and prepare our hearts for this next season. Uh, I believe that we need to prepare our, through increasing our evangelism. Now, if you're uh, newer to Christianity and newer to reading the scriptures, evangelism is essentially just a fancy word for sharing with other people about jesus because if we're going to see hundreds of people come to christ in this next season uh, someone needs to tell them about jesus right as the apostle paul says in uh, romans chapter 10 he says this romans ten fourteen. he says how then can they call on the one whom they excuse me how can they call on the one they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them There's a lot of people that we need to tell about Jesus, and there are plenty of ways to do that. And one of the best ways you can do that is just to personally share the gospel with someone, conversationally, to share how one can be saved. But there's plenty of other approaches to evangelism, and one approach is just simply to invite someone to church to hear about Jesus. Now, I'm going to say something I think that's going to really surprise you. I think that method inviting someone to church uh, to hear about Jesus is actually going to be less and less effective as time goes on in our culture. And that's because less and less people in our area are going to be familiar with church. Less people will have grown up in church, and thus less people will be comfortable with even coming to church. You know, over the last five, ten years, it's become popular for churches to like, you know, put big banners on their buildings, and it says things like, uh, try church again. Well, we're just not going to be able to do that anymore 15 years from now because no one will have tried church in the first place because the culture is changing. And yet I think there are still seasons and ways in which invitational evangelism can be really effective. I mean, we've seen it with our events. You know, <clears throat> pre-COVID when we were doing the, our Easter egg, Easter egg outreach, and sharing the gospel with everyone who came through. You know, at at, at the last time we did that, we had 2,500 people come to church. We had to do seven services in this gym just to fit everyone in. When we were doing Family Fun Day pre-COVID, we had 1,500 people come. Many of you sitting in this room were saved at those... Events. So certainly it's possible and certainly it works. And I think one of the places that we know that this invitational method of evangelism will work really well is with a new building because people are very curious and they're intrigued by it and they want to come see it. Now, that's not going to last forever, right? But I think it will be a unique season in the life of this church in maybe our first year or two. And thus, I would say that this invitational method of evangelism is actually quite wise for us to use in this particular season of our church's life. In fact, I believe that so many unbelievers will be coming into our new church into this next season that I have to tell you what God has told me. Now, I don't actually usually use such confident language when I'm speaking about what God has said. In fact, you might have been coming here from the beginning and never heard me speak like that. And yet, I am as sure of this as almost anything I've ever been sure about God telling me in the last 20 years of following him. Over the last few months, over and over and over and over again, through circumstances, through conversations, through prayer, through just the relentless badgering of my thoughts, I believe that the Lord has told me that when we move into this building that I need to give the gospel an invitation to accept Christ every single week once we move into that building because i believe that almost every week we're going to see people sometimes a lot of people giving their lives to jesus i don't know how long the lord wants me to do that for yet i just know and i feel like he's told me that that's a season Uh, maybe six months maybe nine months may even be a year I want to assure you that my my preaching is is not going to change. We are still unashamedly going to teach the Bible. We're not turning into a, a watered down seeker sensitive church all of a sudden. I mean, think about read Acts chapter two, right? Peter gives a gospel invitation. How do we know that three thousand people accepted Christ that day, right? Because they well they measured it, right? And three thousand people came forward, or whatever they did. And Peter didn't give a watered-down sermon, right? He basically, if you read Acts chapter 2, he looked at the people and said, hey, you killed Jesus. Now repent, right? That's nothing watered-down about that. I just believe our teaching is still going to be challenging, still going to be practical, but just what we're going to do different for this season, because it's going to be such a special season in the life of our church, I will sometimes, ever so briefly, I'm going to explain the gospel, and I'm going to give people a chance to respond every week in that season. And in light of that, I think this invitational method of evangelism is going to be critical for us to use well in this next season. So much so that what I want to do today is I want to look at an important example of that in the Bible. If you want to follow along with us, uh, you can open up the Renovation Church app. Just have Bible uh, and weekly verses. You'll be able to see it there. Uh, we are going to be in the book of John uh, chapter 4 where Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman uh, by the well. Now this woman, has led quite a messy life. In fact, we're told she's already been divorced five times, and she's living with someone now who isn't even her husband. And yet, we find this woman, despite all the mess of her life, is incredibly in awe of Jesus. So they start talking, and Jesus recognizes that this woman has just been trying to fill her her soul. And he offers her, remember they're at the well, he offers her not water, but living water, his way of life that if she drinks of that he says then you'll never go thirsty again and then he tells her that he's the messiah the christ the savior so we're going to join the passage right after they kind of talk about that so john chapter 4 we are in verse 28 here's what it says it says then leaving her water jar the woman went back to the town and said to the people come see a man who told me everything i ever did could this be the messiah she means the Christ. Okay, so this is really interesting. <laughs> I love just the detail of the Bible. The first thing it tells us is that she left her water jar at the well before she ran off. Now, every word in the Bible is inspired, and so every word matters. See, this woman, she, she wanted to stay and talk to Jesus. She's coming back to talk to Jesus. She wants to be in his presence. She wants to learn from him. She wants to be by him. But she knows that she can't just keep that good news to herself. And so she leaves her water jar because she's coming back. Being with Jesus is her first priority, but she's got some other people to tell. She can't just sit at his feet when there are other people who don't know the good news. And yet, how often do we do that? We just come every week, every day, and we sit at his feet. We never leave our water jar and go out. We just sit there. I Actually, think this is probably one of the biggest failings of the church throughout the last 2,000 years. If you look at church history, eventually churches seem to forget their mission. They forget the great co-mission we have with Jesus, which is to go therefore, not sit therefore, it's go therefore and make disciples, is to tell the people around us about Jesus. The mission of the church is not to be busy. The mission of the church is not to have a great kids program. The mission of the church is not to have the best Bible studies or an incredible softball team. The church is not a club. It's a mission. The truth is, and we say this often, there are statistically probably over 50,000 people just in Blaine, This is nothing of Ham Lake or Andover or Lionel Lakes. 50,000 people just in plain that most likely don't have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And I can think of nothing worse. I seriously can't. I can think of nothing worse than a bunch of Christians getting together, doing club like social activities, and not telling their neighbors about Christ. I mean, can you think? I'm going to ask you this question. Can you think of anything worse? Than 500 people coming together who know that they're saved and they know that their neighbors are on a path to spending eternity suffering in hell, and yet they come together just for club like stuff and they don't tell their neighbors. We have an incredibly, incredibly important mission. Sometimes living out that mission is as simple as just saying, Come and see you got to see this. Come and see. Like the woman at the well. That's pretty simple. That's, that's about all she said. I mean, she's pretty enthusiastic about it. I'm sure they could see her faith in her eyes and, and the way uh, she wasn't wearing a mask so, or the way her mouth spoke, right? They could see it. And she, look, look, she didn't come up to him and say, you guys need to believe what I'm saying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break down your logic and show you that you're wrong. That's not what she said. She says, come and see. She wants people to come and experience for themselves, Jesus. She just knows that if they come and if they could just hear him and see him, then he would change them. She doesn't even say, go and see. She says, come, come with me. I'm going to, I'm going to, come with me. Come and see. And who does she point them to? To Jesus. Look at verse 29 again. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? She points to Jesus, not to herself. She doesn't say, oh, look, look, I want to I show you something. No, come and see Jesus. I think this is perhaps the biggest failing in how we try and do evangelism and how we try and share Jesus with people in the 21st century. Uh, The American church's evangelistic efforts in the 21st century have largely been a failure. Let Let me tell you what's happened in the American church. The church in the 21st century has overreacted to the evangelistic efforts and styles of the 20th century. I think we did this, you know, around the turn of the century we started saying, hey, you know what, you know all those methods that people used to do like back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s where they would, you know, hand out tracts about how to follow Christ. Some of you are old enough to remember this, right? Where you were part of Campus Crusade and you would talk to a stranger and you'd go through the four spiritual laws and you explain the gospel, right? We would say all those things are a bit too salesy. And what we need to focus on is relational and friendship evangelism, Instead, which, yes, if that works, yes. Any method, yes. But unfortunately, our style of evangelism in the 21st century has become something like this Step one impress everyone at work by showing them how nice you are, because Christians are really nice. So you make sure that you bring donuts every Friday and you take out the trash, and you always smile at everybody as step one. Step two, you invite People over to your house. Step three, you develop the relationship even further. And then step four, once they see how incredibly nice you are, they one day will look at you and they will say, hey, what's different about you? And then, bam, you hit them with the gospel. Man, let me tell you what's different. Well, see, it's Jesus. Except the problem is people almost never seem to ask that. Or worse yet, we give them the wrong impression of who Jesus is. In fact, let me tell you a haunting true story. A number of years ago, there was a businessman who uh, came forward one night at a Billy Graham crusade, true story, uh, came forward, they were singing, just as I am. He walked down, he gave his life to Christ, became a, a new believer. Well, the next Sunday, he decided, I got to get to church now. I'm, I'm following Jesus. So he goes to this church, and in the church, he sees this guy that he's been associated with in business for a, a really long time. And he, he goes up to the guy who turns out was an, actually an elder at the church, and he says, hey, friend, I don't know if you heard, but I was at the, the Billy Graham thing, and I, I went forward to become a Christian. And the elder at the church said, I heard about that. That that That's amazing. And the brand new Christian looks at the the elder, and he says, friend, how long have we kind of been associated in business? And the elder says, I, oh, man, I think it's like 20, uh, 23 years, something like that. And the new Christian says, have you known about Christ all 23 of those years? He says, yeah, I have. And then the new Christian said this. He said, you know, I don't ever remember you talking to me about Christ. Ever. In those 23 years. And then he looked at him and he said... This is the new Christian talking. He said, you know, I've always thought highly of you. In fact, I literally thought so highly of you, I felt that if anyone could be as good of a man as you and not be a Christian, because I didn't think you were a Christian well, then I don't have to be a Christian either. Think about this. This new Christian literally thought that the elder at this church was not a Christian, and he was using that as an excuse for how he could be a good person without being a Christian. Sometimes, as uh, I've talked to new believers in our church, I hear them talk about how confused they used to be by Christians that they knew. Because their Christian friends never explained the gospel to them. They never explained Christianity. All their Christian friends showed them, because this is how we do evangelism in the 21st century, is just work, work, work to look nice, 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 kind, 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 till eventually they asked the question. Well, of course, they never did. And so the unbeliever kept looking at their Christian friends, and eventually they deduced in their head that if I want to be a Christian, I just got to be really, 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 really good, which is the exact opposite of the message of Christianity. Our generation has failed at evangelism. It's just time that we just admit it. Let's just start over. I want you to think about it this way, and maybe this is true for you. This is true for me. I literally could tell you the names of person after person after person in my parents' generation and in my grandparents' generation Who got saved, they came to Christ, their lives were radically transformed when they got saved at a Billy Graham crusade, or when a stranger approached them and started sharing the gospel with them, or the navigators talked to them, or they got saved at a tent revival. Right? I could just go through a list of all the people where I know that's their testimony. But I seriously, I was racking my brain this week. I don't I can't come up with a single name of someone I know that came to Christ because their coworker bought them donuts and was really nice. I'm not saying you can't pursue it that way and that we can't pursue it that way, but the an- listen to me. The answer is to share the gospel. It isn't to make sure that everybody knows that you're really great first. Because the truth is this, you're not great. He's great. They don't need to look at us. They need to look at him. It's come and see a man who. It's not look at me. It's come and see. That's what we need to do. Come and see a man who what? She says, come and see a man who knew everything about me. She doesn't say, all right, we got to get to see. Well, you got some bad habits. Let's get to work on them right now. We got to fix it. No, no, no. She's come and see. Come and see the one who knows everything you did and yet still loves you, and can change and transform you. I find this fascinating. Jesus impressed this woman so much. Even though, if you read the whole chapter, I encourage you to do so this week, he still confronted her about her sin. He knew everything about her, she said. And yet, he displayed such love for her, that she still felt safe and loved by him, even when her sin was exposed. You know, that's how people ought to feel around us. Let me tell you something. When you realize the great depth of your sin and that Jesus loves you anyway, you won't be pointing to yourself. You'll be pointing to him and his forgiveness. And we would say to our friends, to our family members, to our coworkers, to our neighbors, come and see you got just come on. You got to see this like I am a, you guys know me I'm a mess and yet I met this man named Jesus and he knows everything about me and he loves me and I guys I got to tell you something's going on right now like I'm changing. He's doing something. Just just come on. Come and see. And please don't write yourself off here. Don't say, well, you know, I know we're talking about all these people coming to Christ in the building and people are going to be inviting their friends. I do not want anyone in this room or watching online to say, yeah, it's not me. Like, I'm kind of shy. Like, I don't do that kind of come to church invitational stuff. Or, you know, my my faith with God just isn't really strong right now. So I just can't really see myself doing that. Mm -mm. Nobody do that. Look at what God does with this woman. Okay, jump ahead to verse 39, John chapter 4. It says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. So a whole number of people now have had their lives changed. Why? because of this woman and what is it that's compelling about this woman nothing (laughs) she's a mess she's had five five husbands already this woman is the talk of the town and not in a good way and yet she's the one bringing revival to the town the whole crowd follows out after her and their friends tell their friends who tell their friends who tell their friends and they're all coming to hear Jesus. I'm telling you, now, if you came to town two days before Jesus, and God told you somehow that there's a person in this town that's going to bring revival in two days, and you went around and he said, I want you to figure out who it is, and you went around and you interviewed everybody in town, you're not picking this woman. No way. She's the last on your list. But she just lets God use her. And When you let God use you, it doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter your personality trait, doesn't matter where you are, what you've done, what you've what you've done, God can use you. He did tremendous things with the simple come and see. Now, I just believe in 2021 that God is going to use our church in a similar way. The harvest is ripe, Jesus says. You want know, to places he says that is in this chapter. The harvest is ripe. People will come if you ask them. Obviously, not everybody's going to come. We should keep asking. The Lord is going to use you. We're expecting next year to see many, many, many people saved from our city, from around here. Many, many people baptized in that room. We're expecting to disciple many people to follow Jesus. One of the things we're going to do here in the next a month or so is we're going to roll out our plans to help you be a disciple who makes disciples who makes Disciples. Because listen, we are taking this church back to where the church in America needs to go. I'll tell you where that is. The church in America doesn't need to go to laser lights and entertainment and cushy sermons with seven practical tips that all start with z we we don't need to move the church in america to progressive new ideas that leave the bible behind we need to be in god's word and here's what we need to get back to as a church in america we need to get back to prayer evangelism discipleship right those are the pillars in which you build a church those are the pillars in which they built the church two thousand years ago prayer evangelism discipleship community those are the things that brought the church to the ends of the earth so i just think you're going to see absolutely mind-blowing incredible things happen through this church and who's the church it's not a building it's you this church this group of people next year all right let me pray Lord, we just we ask for that. We believe that. We believe you can do absolutely mind-blowing, incredible things in reaching this city and beyond for Christ through us. When we trust you and we trust your word. Use us, God. Use all of us. I pray for anyone in this room right now that feels like, oh, the Lord can never use me in that way. That you would just wipe away that doubt. And they would have faith and trust in you. That you could use them is something as simple as come and see. It's your name we pray. Amen.